This episode is brought to you by RCAT.com. Come on, we've been doing this podcast for almost five years now, and RCAT has been on this journey from almost the very beginning. We've talked to you about the free content that you can get at RCAT.com, the materials library, the CAD and Revit details, hell, even the spec wizard that can help you write the most up-to-date specs from the outline draft specs to full-blown specs ready for your bid submission. You know that they don't hit you up for any subscriptions, they don't hit you up for any fees, and they won't make you register to download content. So come on, do yourself a favor, don't reinvent the wheel, have the team at RCAT.com help you with just about everything that you need from the most complete and correct set of architectural drawings and specs. But that's only the beginning. There's so much more on their site, like catalogs, videos, and spec wizards. Just go to RCAT.com or download their app today. Check it all out. You know it's great, you know it's free, and you know you don't have to register to use it. So go check them out today at ARCAT.com. We're also brought to you by HMC Architects. Let's give them a listen. When creating a high school for a new neighborhood in one of the fastest growing districts in California, you want it to be a reflection of what's happening in that city. Hi, this is Kevin Wilkeson. I'm a K-12 architect at HMC Architects in Ontario, California studio. Adaptable and open spaces, student and teacher collaboration zones, video production studio and acoustically designed music rooms. Our design for Portola High School in Irvine is modern learning for a modern city. The Student Center features movable chairs and sofas and a library with dedicated quiet rooms, giving it the look and feel of a college campus or Silicon Valley office. We place design and innovation labs in the heart of campus to spark interest and ideas. Designed a 700-seat theater, black box, and dance studio to support music and dance programs. More than a school, it's a place where kids are exposed to disciplines they may have never considered. A place to collaborate, to create something amazing, and to leave their mark on the world. At HMC Architects, we believe a successful design is one that ultimately enriches the lives of students, teachers, and communities. To become a part of our story, visit hmcarchitects.com. Welcome to Archispeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 117 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. Hey, so this episode I wanted to talk about motivation, and uh, I thought something... It was kind of interesting about our profession that's different from a lot of professions out there, which is just kind of the length of time that we work on projects. I think a lot of people don't understand that about what we do. <laughs> so in, uh, you know, even when we were in school, we work on projects for, you know, I was on the quarter system, so maybe half of a quarter, or if it was thesis, it went a couple of quarters or whatever. But now we work on projects that are years long right I, I, there's a, a project that we're finishing years. up in our studio this week that we've been working on granted not a hundred percent the whole time but it's like seven years so well yeah uh, it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that that happens i mean especially with hospital projects um large-scale projects so you know we're just talking about kind of run-of-the-mill projects 
almost always take more than one year. And, and that's usually just construction. I mean, that's not talking about the planning and all of the user group meetings and all the design and the DD and CD and all that stuff too. Agency, you know, like we do projects that sit in the agency for nine months before anyone even looks at them. So um, just kind of talking about how do you stay motivated over the course of a project that takes that long versus kind of the shorter length projects that we probably were trained on when we were in school or, or even looking at other professions out there where, where you might just have a day-to-day checklist and then talking about different types of motivation or motivators. Like, why do we do what we do? Um, are we looking for accolades? Are we looking for money? Are we looking for promotions? Uh, and then just different types of motivation, do you, I mean, and I think this kind of goes back to the first question. How do you stay motivated? Are you intrinsically motivated or do you have to be extrinsically motivated? Does somebody have to tell you what to do or do you just, are you just a doer? Um, are, do you, you know, we look, I kind of look at my kids and I wonder, you know, is that, is my kid motivated or are they always waiting around to be told what to do? So that's the idea behind the topic. Um, so there's a lot there to chew on and I don't really have any roadmap for where the conversation could go, but those are just kind of my initial thoughts about motivation so maybe we could start with oh yeah jump right in yeah so evan one of the things i was thinking of as you mentioned all of the different aspects about a project whether it's uh through the approval process and then design and, and schematic and you've got design development construction drawing ca construction all of those different parts mm-hmm. i see those as as you mentioned when when we're in school and we do something that maybe and I was also on the quarter system so maybe it's four weeks or maybe it's eight weeks or twelve weeks you're doing a a project I see each of these little pieces of the projects that we work on that may last years but each mm-hmm. one of those pieces tend not to be years long right yeah so you're talking about like milestones within the project yeah and that's that's kind of how you, I I see staying motivated is that each phase of the project or each piece of the project is a shorter chunk of time. And then it, maybe it goes away for a little bit, maybe through that you know approval process. Like you hand it off to the owner and then they're, they're kind of chewing on it for a while. So you're, yeah. Or you, you hand it off to the city look at and something then it, else. Yeah. yeah. And so you're constantly so you're talking doing about deadlines. something different in between all of these individual milestone or deadlines that you're doing so that it doesn't feel like you're working on one single project for seven years, as you said, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it depends what you do in the process when it comes to that. I mean, some people, some people, like I'm, you know, do just production all the time, right? And so you kind of are doing the same thing over and over and over again. I, I mean, I don't want to belittle that in any way. I mean, some people are just fine doing that. So, but you're just talking about constantly churning. You know, maybe you're a, you have a particular expertise in something, or you're just really good at cranking through construction documents, right? So or you're maybe constantly. Somebody does design all the time, and you're just designing all the time, the same old thing, cranking it out every day. Yeah. So, I mean, I uh, guess, I guess I'm looking. Same. You just made design sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so boring. Oh, damn it, I've got to design another building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live for that, man. Stop it. So I, I, I just, I wonder kind of on a personal level, and I think this goes way outside of architecture. I, I mean, I would love to bring up things like Neil and your running 
you know, or Cormac in your sketching? I mean, what motivates you to run another mile, another marathon? Cormac, what motivates you to continue to crank out amazing sketches all the time? I mean, is it to me like there there is a certain element of striving for better? And and so, I mean, what do you guys think about just staying motivated when you kind of are just repeating something similar over and over again? So, well, so Evan, what I would say for, since you mentioned running, and this is something actually, it's interesting you brought this up because I've had some other issues. I've had a recent surgery. I've had some injury issues and uh, also being very, very busy at work and spending more time in the office and having less time to run. And actually I stopped my streak of doing a hundred miles a month a few months ago and uh, haven't really been back on that. And so looking back, how did I stay motivated? It, it was exactly what you said is the striving to do better. Um, there's usually races here and there, or I mean, some people do them every other week or every week. And I do a several a year, but I don't do a lot, but you're always when you're running, you're always running against your own time and trying to do better. And once you get started, it's almost, it's how I kind of got started running. I was just kind of running to be in shape and, and just to feel better. And then I ran a few 5Ks and I was like, well, what's next? And I'll, I'll try a 10K, right? That's the next level up. And I did that and it's like, well, okay, what's the next thing? It's like, well, I'll try and do a half marathon. And then I did it, you know, after that I did a marathon. And so it's that constant striving, striving to do better. Um, but one of the frustrations though that I've encountered is I only have so much time to train and I, and I kind of fell into a rut with my training in that I was just kind of running. I wasn't doing any cross training. I wasn't pushing myself. So my times weren't really getting better. And so now since I've fallen off the wagon, so to speak, I just participated in a 10K this weekend, and it was such a struggle. I mean, it was only a few weeks after surgery, so I, I was, wasn't was expecting to do... Yeah, I, I gave myself a little pass, yeah. But <laughs> um, it's still, now now since I've fallen off the wagon and, and fallen back in my time and, and being in, as, as conditioned as I was... It's like now I'm I'm very, I'm very motivated to get back now so I can at least motivation. get back to that point again. It's like right. I had to follow off and and fail, not really fail, but you know, fall off the wagon so to speak to get back and going again. You had to have a dip in performance. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. So now I have now I can have that strive, that motivation to get back to where I was and maybe be better, right? Interesting. Well, you know, that's that's interesting that you say that because I mean, you're you're basically you can liken it to what we do in architecture that with your running you're you're always trying to progress to get better first was your milestones of trying to go from your 5k to 10k to half marathon to marathon kind of thing but you know and you can use that as an analogy for what we're trying to do in architecture because you're trying to get better you're trying to learn more about it and then when you were talking about you know just kind of being there and doing production. I mean, I think when you get into that rut of just doing the same thing over and over again, and you're, you're maybe playing the same role, you, you start to get a little complacent and you basically start to lose that motivation. You're like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be, you know, Mr. Click it and, 
you know, go click on more faster. Know? Yeah. Click more faster. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that, you know, one of the motivations, um, for me, both in sketching and in, in architecture is to learn more and get better. Um, and, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of, I, I think one of the things that in, you know, my old firm was, is that we were doing, you know, K through 12 and, you know, I did a lot of the same project types and I was doing just elementary school, you know, the K through fives and mm-hmm. it really, you know, in, in every once in a great while, you know, I would do a high school. Well, high school, you know, is a lot different than an elementary school. And so the, that change up kind of helped keep things fresh. And now that I'm doing higher ed, that change up, um, is coming more frequently because I'm not just going to be doing a lab building. I'm going to be yeah. doing this, you know, now I'm moving, switching on, up the project you know, type and, and that really helps, you know, to kind of yeah, keep I things agree. fresh. And even though, you know, because you're, you know, even though I'll give you a good example is, you know, I, I did an elementary school that, I myself was on for five years mm-hmm. from conceptual design through CA. And it seems like my favorite question that I always got from everybody that non-architectural professional was, is, Hey, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm the same thing. I'm, I'm the last doing Annapolis elementary me. school, you know? And then a year <laughs> later they come by and they say, Hey, what are you doing? It's just like, I'm doing, didn't, weren't you doing that last year? like, yeah. And I was doing it the year before and the year before. And, and to them, it sounds monotonous, but I think Neil, you said it best was, is that it's filled with so many different milestones and so many different things that have to happen. And it's a process yeah. it, that the process itself sometimes keeps you out of that rut and has to keep you motivated enough to, you know, I, I think there's the lulls of the long production time sometimes, um, mm-hmm. that really kind of, are, are the challenge of, of staying motivated. And I think that's when, you know, you have to get creative You know, it's just like, damn, if I have to draw another, like an large plan or, or, you know, an, another like section detail or something like that, I think I'm going to just, you know, lose my mind, you know, and that's when you have yeah. to start looking for that kind of like internal or external motivation. And that you feel like, good. I feel like switching up your, your tools or fi- switching up maybe where you do the work or, Standing that, instead of sitting, or, you know, taking, going and checking out a conference room for the day instead, or like for me with doing design, like maybe, maybe one day I'm going to do 3D modeling, but another time I'm going to just go all analog to try to switch things up intentionally and reignite like some different skills. I think that really helps um, just get through that monotonous and, and to come up with new ways to kind of feed that motivation, you know, look forward to doing something different, even if you are working on the same thing. Yeah. I think one of the things that Neil brought up a few uh, episodes ago was when, when he was talking about that, they did the uh, SoCal tour and was going around and looking at different building types by different architects, other than what they do to kind of see what is their competition and what their competition's doing and things like that. And looking at details of like, Oh, I never thought of doing it that way. Or, Oh, you know, um, I would never do it that way kind of thing. And, and we're able to kind of shake it up by going and visiting, you know, some other architecture or, you know, just getting out of the office. So when you said changing where you do work, I think that actually is as much of a help 
as anything else because it makes it feel like it's a little bit different. I mean, when I was going into the DC office, you know, I was only doing it a couple days a week for a few months and it was fun because I was work I was back in my old wheelhouse of doing a, a K through five school, but it was I was in a different location. Yeah, I was different talking, scenery. I was talking different to people. different people. Yeah. I had a lot more, you know, opportunities to go to different places for food for lunch. There's all sorts of things. I mean, it kind of sucked that I wasn't doing my kind of natural everyday going to lunch with the same group of guys and all that other stuff, which is kind of fun in its own right. But you know, it was it was, it was enough enough to shake it up a little bit to almost feel like I was moonlighting on my own job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So how do you, well, let me, let me just say actually where this is coming from. So I read a book recently called drive by Daniel Pink. There's actually a really good Ted talk uh, that he put on as well. That kind of got me interested in this whole topic, but the book drive is about, uh, and, and I think this is really interesting how it pertains to architecture in, in specifics is that it talks about motivation. And I'm, and so, we're, you know, there's, we're talking about motivation, about how do you stay engaged, but then there's also just what, like, like Neil, when you're talking about running, you're talking about an intrinsic motivation to get better, faster, um, get stronger, get more fit. And, and some people have intrinsic motivation when it comes to working on projects in our offices. And then some people are just checking in, you know, clocking in, clocking out. It's just a job. Um, and and so what is motivating them could just be the paycheck um, or it could be maybe there's a bonus at the end of the project or, you know, there's lots of different motivators. And so one of the things I, I found interesting about this book is it, it talks about the carrot and stick mentality where, you know, it, you're you're going to get this thing if you do X and Y and Z, right? You're going to get a bonus if you get the project done on time and on budget, you don't spend too many hours. And some people are really motivated by that. Um, but for the most part, that is like the last century of motivation. And so there's actually a ton of research and science that says that that really does not work. And so you can't generalize and say it really doesn't work for everybody because it does work for some people. But for the most part, carrots and sticks science says it does not work. It actually says that if you tell somebody that they're going to get this thing for doing this task, they will actually perform worse. And I think that's, that is super interesting. That's because really good. That is how to, most corporations operate. I just right? need to learn to do that with my son. If you do <laughs> this, you'll get that. And And so, yeah, I better rethink how I... Yeah, well, parent. we do it all the time when we're doing parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's the reward factor of parenting. Or yeah, it the, totally well, is. It I totally think is. in our corporate uh, offices, I, I, I'll let me, I'll, when you don't get that carrot and you do all the things that you mentioned, you do a project in a certain time frame or you know you have a certain profitability on it or whatever it is, and then you don't get that bonus, you don't get that reward with the raise the next year. 
um, yeah, that's not a good motivator. Well, I mean, it tends, <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, it tends to be the negative motivator. You're just, you know, it, it, it then you spend, does. then you spend more time, like you know, complaining about, man, I can't believe I did all of this work. I, you know, busted my hump on all of this, and and you know, I got nothing out of it. You know, right? And right. Yet, in, in a way, I always look at that as like, but the project was the bonus, right? You you got a project done. You you killed it and you did that and then there's that that's just kind of like the you know just shut up and be happy you got a project done kind of thing and you've got a job but you know you're right i mean you do look at things like that you know you know you you look at it, you're just like look you know i contributed to the success of this thing i contributed to um it coming in under time under budget making it you know maximum profitability and then there's nothing in return and that's when it hits the negative and you, you know, you, you, then you sit there like the next project, you're like, well, you know, why do I need to kill myself? On well, this now you're one? disengaged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so the, so the book really gets into that. And, and so it's, it carrots and sticks are external motivators. And what happens when you have external motivators is people try to start figuring out how to game the system. <laughs> right. And this leads to bad behavior. And so, yeah. Do you want a business full of bad behavior? I mean, that's one real fast way to get it. And so kind of the opposite and what you want is you want to be working with people who are doing what you're talking about, Cormac, where you say the project is the reward. That's intrinsic motivation, right? Because we're getting three different things and and it goes into these three things in the book. It goes into autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And what's funny is that takes me back to our episode about millennials, right? These are the things that people... Are that that the younger generations are seeking autonomy, mastery, and purpose, right? We want to do meaningful work, we want to do it on our own terms, and we want to be really effing good at it. And and that is the stuff that really is intrinsically rewarding. And that to me takes me back to Neil's running or Cormac your sketching as two simple examples, because I know you guys do this stuff all the time. It's like you're doing it because you have this internal drive to just do it and get better at it, right? And the reward is the process. It's the outcomes along the way. It's not necessarily some, it's not a cash thing, right? It's not a, there's a lot of different ways we could re- reward that, but it's the process. And so it's it's interesting that basically the argument here is pay people what they need to get paid and take that off the table. Take that off the table yeah. and stop yeah. driving bad behavior. Stop driving gaming the system have people stop cutting corners to do work the right way. And this, this is, well, you mean, yeah. So, so to me, when you, and when you get a group of people who are intrinsically motivated, I don't like to say people are like-minded. I like to say they're like purposed because like-minded leads to the same kind of results every time. I yeah, think. It's a little, but if, if you work in a creative field, you want to, you want to have a like purpose, but you want to have a, a wide range of experiences pushing at what you're doing, you know, pushing and poking at the problem so that you get a different custom result for your client, right? And makes it, it makes it about them. So anyway, that that's kind of like a, a real quick summary of the book and I totally recommend everybody read it. It's it's an amazing book and I'll put a link in the show notes for it. Yeah, we should also put a link to the TED Talk too. Yeah, I will. Um, well, I, I, I like the... I like the thought process of the liked purposed rather than like minded. Um, because then you know that everybody's intrinsically motivated to push to push to be the 
I don't know. It's not the best, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, people are striving to give you the best. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that, and that's, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like where I'm at now, that's, that's one of the biggest draws, you know, to, to, um, work where I am at now is that everybody seems to be, um, you know, like they're, they're not like-minded. <laughs> what did I say? Like, like purposed, like purpose. Thank you. Yep. It is late for me, Yeah, but you know, that, you every, yeah, that, that everybody, <laughs> that everybody's very liked purpose because everybody is there trying to do the best work that they can. There is the, the, the thoughts of performance bonuses and end of year bonus type things, but I don't, I don't really think that anybody there is motivated for that. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are motivated for that, but you know, people who are more motivated to try to really get a good project and work towards doing good work. Yeah. Um, or getting your client, I mean, off the cuff to say, you know, this is the project we've always dreamed of kind of things like that, that are incredibly rewarding. And all they did was say a sentence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's something I'm never going to forget. Right. So it's that type of reward that was not asked for and uh, never promised is crazy motivating right for for someone like me in, uh, at least yeah i'll tell you one of the most motivating things for me is when i was walking around uh, my elementary school that i spent five years on and people saw it was a dump of a building you know it, it did its job it kept water out and but it was there was nothing inspiring about it there was nothing that you know was really motivating anybody to like come to work any day on it but then we go through this major renovation you know we do this major addition we we connect it to the adjacent building and expand the whole thing and give them these new spaces it's completely revitalized and it's this you know, now 120 year old building um and it doesn't feel like it anymore. And so when I was walking through the building with some of the users that were, it was just a dump mm -hmm. and now we're walking through their new spaces and they're crying. Yeah. They're so overcome with emotion that it's just like, I love it. This is, I never imagined that it could look like this. I could never imagine that this yeah. is going yeah. to be yeah. my space. I love and it. And I'm I like, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you, I had never had such an overwhelming experience yeah. than to see them emotionally overcome by the fact that they're going to have this incredible new space. And I was just like, holy shit, this is why I do this. This That's is my motivation. Yeah. This right. is why I'm going to keep doing it is to well, like keep you said, getting and, that fill. Yeah, and you've said in, in previous episodes, you don't do it for the money. Like you're doing it because this is what you were meant to do. And you figured that out, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are number one calling BS on this idea I, that that carrots don't don't drive motivation. And I get it; for some people, it does. But but there are also people out there who they need they need that checklist. They need somebody else to tell them what they have to get done that day. Um, and 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 that's perfect for them, right? Because here's look at here's all the stuff I did. I'm holding it up. Here's all the check boxes. I did all these things, right now, and and that's where they find their value. So yeah. I mean, I, I that there's that too. But I, I think what what's interesting 
about this idea. Here, here's here's something that's really interesting. So if we if we just say okay, let's go with it. Carrots and sticks don't work. Um, what's interesting is that they do work if they're not promised up front. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they they completely screw the system up when you promise this for that. It's an if then situation. If you do this, you're going to get that. That is when it actually screws up the whole thing because there's no room for creativity or less room for creativity, I should say. Um, so, so performance goes down. Um, but if you don't promise something and then you get, if you give a reward for a job well done that was not promised, that goes a re- a long way, right? And so that's exactly what you and I are talking about right now, even though it's not a, a money thing or a reward in, in some physical form, but it's, it's a reward in a warm, fuzzy feeling form, right? If somebody said something that really means a lot or you're an experiencing an emotion that, that has never been there before, um, that you are, you fostered, I mean, that it was never promised. You never know how it's going to turn out and it turned out incredibly well. And so they rewarded you with, with those tears or whatever, you know, the words. And that is when the, if then, could act not it's not if then at that point i guess but if if a reward comes in later it was never promised it actually does it has really positive results yeah for performance absolutely so guys uh one of the other things when it comes to being motivated at least that helps me is that for many years i i did a lot of single family work and to come back to working in an office as i did just over a year ago i jumped in or was put into a different type of building product. So still residential, but in a multifamily environment, which in, you know, it was R2 type 5A, in some case type, some type 5B as well. And it was very different and a very different product type. And so it was very motivating to me because it's like, I have an entirely different different thing i have to learn you have a lot to learn right yeah, I, yeah, a lot to learn actually. You're, you're motivated by the opportunity to learn a new project type an opportunity i think it was to, motivated by fear but well, and, and, that, and that's a good motivator too you know the fear of failure is an absolutely fantastic motivator yeah you know and I now mean, and now i'm doing affordable housing type work and that's another whole th- especially the remodel of affordable housing so this isn't even new stuff so it's it's a blend of what i know from remodel work that i did when i was on my own on a different scale with some of the multifamily aspects as well so it's very interesting and it is very motivating in that i guess it's like you mentioned earlier cormac when you did certain types of schools now you're doing different types of schools and university work and and so that that change up of different products, um, I think, can help and be a motivator. I think one of the problems that I think firms need to try and stay away from as much as possible is having people working on the same types of projects over and over and over. And it may be you're doing different tasks on them, but if you're just doing the same type of project over and over and over, I think that can get the, um, yeah. you know very boring and monotonous and. It's not a good motivator unless that's what that one person likes to do. I mean, we do know people that 
love to plan check and that's what they do and they plan check everything. I can't do that, but somebody else does and that's a necessary task, right? Or that person that you mentioned earlier, Evan, that likes to do the construction drawings, that's perfect for them. So I think those are those are other types of motivators that that if we can keep throughout our career working on different types of projects that we can stay motivated over a longer period of a long period of time. Yeah, I think you're right. If you if you're not taking uh, the opportunity to let your supervisor or your advocate or whoever it is know that you're looking for other stuff to do to broaden your range of experience or just to do something different to see if you like it, you've got to do that because if you don't, I mean, if you do get I hate to say this, but if you get too good at something and you don't enjoy it, you're, they're going to keep you doing it because you're so good at it, right? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time, right? And that's called pigeonholing. I mean, that's what we hear that a lot. We hear people talking about getting pigeonholed and all they end up doing is going to another place when you know that there's plenty of opportunity, for the most part, to do something else in that same company. But instead of talking to somebody about it, they just walk out the door and go somewhere else and do something different when that is completely unnecessary. It's so expensive to hire new employees to fix that problem rather than just fix it with the employees you already have. Well, Evan, what about the fact that many employers don't ask the question? Yeah, but either, that right? it, it is it does come down to both parties, right. but both parties actually, I mean, someone's got to try because if nobody's saying anything, then it's not going to go anywhere good. Somebody's got to say something. And so if you're waiting to be asked, I kind of hate that mentality, honestly. Um, if if you're the kind of person who says, "How come you never call me?" Right? Like, <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I don't have time to hang to hang out with the people I want to hang out with. Right? So why would I call you? <laughs> that's that's my reaction to that. You yeah. know, and it's because it's it's actually your job to pick up the phone and talk to me if you need something. It's like my life, I'm, I'm busy enough, right? I, I can't think of everything that you might be feeling. So I honestly <laughs> yeah. feel like it is on the person who wants a change to start to make that to happen. Yeah. You know, it's just like, why can't they see what I need? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> they've got their own stuff that they need. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. I'll, I'll, let me finish it, finish up here with the final piece of this puzzle because there's still people in the audience saying this is BS, uh, you know, carrots and sticks do work. So, so they do work in particular situations. So maybe you guys can weigh in if you've seen something on this. But the final uh, kind of piece to this in the book, Drive, is that carrots and sticks work if the job has a specific deadline it's a monotonous task, and everybody agrees that this work sucks, but we're just going to push through it. That's when <laughs> carrots and sticks actually work. Yeah, and there's a lot of times when things like that happen. Totally, I mean, right? Especially they, in architecture. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times when you've got these, you know, the unrealistic deadlines that you've got to, like, push through, and everybody knows what needs to happen, and... You know, it's not the glamorous work, but it's the work that has to be done. And so, you know, you just kind of put your head down and you kind of push through it. Um, it's some. It's not fun. It's not glamorous, but it has to happen. It's a part so of it, architecture. And it's important to acknowledge that, I think, is, is yeah. one of the key and that, points. And that, yeah, that was where I was going. And so when you, in, when you get to the end, 
you know, there, there really should be that motivating factor of like, look guys, I know this wasn't very glamorous. I know that, you know, it wasn't fun, but you guys did it and you guys deserve X, Y, or Z, you know, and actually, actually you, you, what he says in the book, and I, I believe this, you have to acknowledge it up front so that everybody's going into it with kind of this, yeah. this we're all on the same page here. And yeah. and I think one thing that's a little different about what maybe what we do than than how other uh, professions or industries might might look at this is we don't we don't have to do that kind of crap work all the time. And so we acknowledge it. We realize that it's coming. We're going to have to do it. There's the final push to hit the deadline. I'm going to be there with you, and we're going to do the work together. Is a super important part because we've all been there where the PIC or the principal or the owner <laughs> yeah. or whatever walks out the door at five o'clock to go sailing on their yacht. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> while while other people sit at factors. their desk with their heads down and their headphones on and work all night long. And that's not cool, right? Like that, right. that is not acknowledging that's working against this idea. Yeah. And, and, and that is got a huge, and, I, and I've seen it so many times in so many different projects kind of that demotivating factor of, you know, if it wasn't in, if it's so important that I have to be here to one, two, three o'clock in the morning to try to get it done, then it should be important to everybody on the project. And when people on the project, you know, don't feel that it's that important yet, they're expecting you to be that one killing yourself for it. You know, it, it, it works negatively in, yeah. You know, people are just like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I killing myself doing this if it's not important to the PIC or the PM or whoever to, you know, be there to by my side, making sure that this is done right. And not having the skills to do the thing that needs to be done is not an excuse. Like if, and what I mean by that is like, if you don't know how to drive the Revit, you still need to be there and you need to be doing everything you can to make everyone else's job easier. I mean, hell. so, so if that means running out to grab dinner and bring it exactly. back, that's that what it means. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's just like, okay, so you're the partner in charge. You, um, don't know how to use Revit or, you know, you really can't jump in and do Revit because there's too many cooks in the kitchen already. Well yeah. then fine, go and figure out, you know, Hey, who wants to listen to, you know, something? I'll be the DJ or, right, you know, right. let me go find some food. Let's go do something to make the the fact that you're here late something that's a little Better, bit more enjoyable. Not so than, painful. Exactly. In yeah. yeah. so many times you see that, you know. And how many times have you been in that situation where you are there late at night and you're just thinking to yourself this whole time, why the hell am I here? And so you're not even really, I mean, so yeah, you are cranking on a project, but you're probably about 50% productive because the other 50% you're totally. complaining about why other people don't feel it is important for yeah. them to be here than you are. And I think, I mean, I, the, the example was set for me a long time ago and it was this exact situation and the person was there and they sat there and they answered emails and they just said, Hey, I'm going to run out and grab dinner. It's on me. I'm going to pick this up and you guys keep working. What do you want? And I'm going to, I'm going to be the DJ. It's exactly the things that you just talked about. And it made such a huge difference in the morale and the culture. Yeah. Right. Cause they see that they're, you see that they're going to be there right next to you. You know, regardless, I had the same experience. And in fact, it was like the first day. So the first job right after graduation, cause it's not had, normally like this. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, what was funny is that that's what they were saying. It's just like, you know, I mean, we're, we're going after this big, huge presentation. You know, we're really impressed that you're still here at two in the morning. But, you know, what was funny is I was more impressed that they were still here. Here's yeah. the two firm owners side by side with me, with a handful of other people there. And we're all just going to town trying to get this project landed. And you know what? We ended up landing the project. And that was less... To me, that was less of a motivator. That was less of the carrot than st- seeing both of them in the trench with me doing the work to make sure that we got this thing done. Yeah, well, if there's if there's any way to break down the hierarchy, like that is the most opportune time to do it. And and what it does is it it makes everybody feel like we're all in this together. And I think that is a really exactly. important feeling when we are in those types of situations especially but that also needs to translate into day-to-day stuff and so we've got to be the bridge builders we've got to be constantly asking questions see how people are doing find out about their personal lives and just ask questions and and just understand where they're coming from so that we can create this intrinsic motivation and right. find out what what fuels their fire right what what really turns you on and and i i mean i know people who work their butts off all year long for that bonus, right? Whether they're going to get it or not. And so that really is like their language that they speak. And then there's other people who would be just as happy if they got a few more days off, right? Because they love to go travel. And so you kind of have to learn what everybody's thing is so that you can make that happen because then they're going to want to show up at work every day because they are doing something that matters. They're, They're getting to express their art and they're feeling that purpose and that that they're increasing their mastery and they get to, you know, it's all this stuff that kind of works together like a, like a puzzle. So I'm sure about, you good. I was going to say just how about having those principles be involved a little bit more, not so much maybe a, a little bit different from what you guys were just talking about the late night and all that. But just how how about having the principles know who you are, care about who you are. Yeah. and um, have a little bit more to do with you. Maybe you do go to lunch. Maybe you, you know, have that drink after work or something as a group or as a team. And the principal's there. They get to know about your family or something like that. It, It creates that personal connection. That, to me, can be a motivator, is that they care, I care, and we... I mean, we're, we're family, right? We spend more, I spend more time at work than I do with my family, Yeah, just kind of sad. But uh, (laughs) at the end of the day, that's that's kind of the way things work here, but in general, so having that personal connection can go a long way, can be that motivator. I want to do well, not only for the firm, but this person who I care about, not only as my boss, but as my friend, right? Right. Well, that also... You know, that to me, that also kind of contributes to this feeling of co-ownership in the project. Yeah. Because if you're you're there side by side with your principal or your project manager and they're busting their hump just as much as everybody else is, it's showing that you're not just working for the paycheck. 
you're working for the project, you're working for something bigger. And, you know, you feel like it's your project as much as it is their project. Because a lot of times, you know, when you're working on some of these monotonous things, it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. This this same my project. This is their project. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're the ones who are going to get paid for this. You know, and they just, and they kind of like shrug off the, the apathy as, you know, oh, well, well, at the end of the day, I at least get paid for it kind of thing. And, and so there's no real feeling of motivation because you don't feel like you're a part of the project. You don't take ownership in the project. And to be able to see people working side by side together, showing you how much they value the work that you're putting in so much that they're going to put that work in with you, then that starts to change that dynamic. Then you're not just working for the paycheck. You know, you're working for a person. You're working for the project. And that changes your motivation factor as well. You know, Evan, you you said something earlier about how the carrot and the stick doesn't always work. And you gave some examples of how where it can work. And I was thinking at the time that there are certain tasks or certain things that's like no amount of money is going to make me want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not a motivator. Right. So. Like what? <laughs> like what? Just for curiosity's sake. Oh, like what? Um, now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, I can't That's think right. of a, a, a specific example, but there's, there I'm not going to do no damn there. toilet room plants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe even outside of our profession, right? I mean, there's certain things like uh, I cannot, a, a surgeon. I could never do that. I, I needles make me nervous. I don't like that. Or Evan, what you do, you rock climb. Oh my God, no amount of money would make me climb those rocks that you do. I mean, I am so impressed. The well, see, that's, that that's do, when you just find your no friend amount of and money you say, Hey, will you do, do this that. for me? <laughs> and someone who loves to do it. I mean, this is what's so cool about working in a larger firm is that there's somebody who loves to do the thing that you hate to do. Sure. Right. And, and I think that that is a really, not everybody has to be able to do the same things. And I think that's something that we, if we do spend the time with people, we do learn to appreciate the differences and how we can all fill in the gaps that everybody kind of just has. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I feel like, like that is (laughs) cause you're right. And that's why I don't do project management, right? I, I'm very good at design. It's where I get my my passion. It's where it lies. And so if I had to do something that was in the column of things I don't want to do, things that piss me off, things that are make me unhappy all the time, like I'm so glad there are people who who just want to do that column that for me totally sucks, but that is their passion. And I, I, I respect that. I love that. And I love finding people who can fill in the things that I never want to do. And I'm, I'm sure it, it goes both ways. I've got one other thing I want to bring up. Technology as a motivator. What I mean by that is, since I know somebody from my office might be listening to this, and I told them I wasn't going to bring it up, so I'll bring it up just for him. <laughs> <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> but so we're recording this on the same day that Apple had their worldwide developers conference and they showed off lots of cool technology and you know new features, new new computers and things like that. And to me, I don't know, that really excites me. 
I, I look forward to getting my hands on this new stuff and new software and using it, using the features every, uh, uh, like many of the things that I saw today, I was like, Oh, that makes this task that I have to do this much easier. I like that. And to me, that is strange thing. It motivates me. I don't know. I, that, I mean, or well, that's like VR, I mean, right? Yeah. Like VR and AR and stuff like that. I was like, Whoa, there's some cool stuff we can do. We can use that. We can use that in our, what we do in the office. Or 3D printers, right? Having a 3D printer in the office to print up a prototype or, you know, maybe a detail. And it's like, we can do stuff like that. And to me, that sort of level of technology or uh, another motivator would be just kind of tweaking the way the graphics look and making it look a little better. I enjoy that. I like doing that. It probably makes some people in my office a little upset because... Sometimes I change the way things look and they're not happy about that because it's different. But to me, it looks a little better. And uh, so those types of things excite me, gets me motivated. And, you know, it's what what I try and do sometimes throughout the day to get through nine to five. I think that's a great example. I mean, and there's things like that on everybody's list. And so when we are when we go to our offices, I mean, it's it's important to look for those things and figure out what they are. Because if if you don't do it, who else is going to do it? I mean, somebody's got to f- figure out what people want to do, where they want to go. Where, where do you want to be in five years? I mean, how can we help you get there? Those are really important questions to ask. And so, I mean, I guess ultimately, coming back to the topic, I don't want to work with a bunch of people who are not motivated to do better. If Even if you're just getting better 1% every day, which is a very small percent, if, in case you're wondering on the scale of percentages, if 1% is big or small. It's very small. Like, let's get 1% better every day, and pretty soon you're going to be a lot better. And those are the people that I want to work with, people who just have this drive to get better, to be motivated, to show up, and, and, and like be passionate about architecture. This is, uh, this is just something that we need more of in every office out there. And let's not just go clock in and clock out at a job. Like, If you're not loving it, Go do something else. I mean, you've got you've got the ability to quit. Go do something else. But in in our offices, like we, I want to work with those people who are passionate about architecture, specifically, right? I hope I I, I kind of assume you guys are too. So I think I might be. Yeah, that's a podcast, man. Exactly. <laughs> and with that, I think we covered that pretty good. So before we go. We'd like to thank our episode sponsors. First, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer over at ARCAT.com. And we also want to thank HMC Architects for their support. To learn more or become part of their story, visit them at HMCArchitects.com. And make sure to visit our website at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com for our links to our catalog of episodes and sign up for our newsletter which includes links to everything we mentioned in the episode. Between episodes, join the conversation on the ArcaSpeak Facebook page or through Twitter. Links to everything can be found, once again, at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to help the show, then go over and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review even on Apple Podcast. And we want to thank everyone for listening and stay subscribed. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. I 
I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing I'm a